Welcome to the Chasing Presence podcast, co-hosted by Santiago and Mike. This is a space where we share our insights for how to live a more spiritually aligned life. Join us on our journey to expand consciousness, live with purpose, and awaken to our true nature. Today we are going to be talking about the ego, something that is talked about a lot in spiritual communities and in spiritual spheres. It's something that comes up a lot in conversations and there's a lot of different views in terms of how we as humans should navigate the ego. There are some people who think that the ego should be quieted and quelled and and destroyed even in some circumstances and that the ego is a bad thing. And there are other people that think that you know, having a big ego is necessary in this world as a human being. And when it comes down to it, there there are varying views, but there is a lot of nuance here. And I believe that there are pros and cons that come with the human ego. But ultimately, we as humans are supposed to have an ego. We are spiritual beings having this human experience. And a part of that human experience is the ego, is the sense of self, that which we call I or me. And this ego develops in early on in your life, maybe a few years in, there's some different studies that have been done, but this, you know, when you're first born into this world, there's no ego. It's just pure, raw awareness and experience. If you think about the first moment when you're born to this world, there is no sense of yourself. There is no language. You don't know any languages yet. So for example, I speak English when I was first born, there were no, there was no English language that I was aware of. I could not think in terms of words and thoughts and ideas. I did not know that I was a human being, a male being born in San Francisco, California, there was no concept of any of these ideas. There was no concept of time. There was just the raw awareness of whatever the experience was. And I was essentially at one with the environment. And then what ends up happening is you go through life and eventually in order to survive, you need to have some sense of separation between yourself and your environment, between you and other people, between you and your surroundings. So that way you can get through life and start to take care of yourself. And what ends up happening along through life is your, your ego is going to be impacted by the experiences that you have. And it can, and it is going to determine the way that it develops and the types of ideas that you have. And if you have adverse experiences that are not dealt with in a healthy way, it can, re- it can result in your ego developing different sorts of mental illnesses, different sorts of unhealthy coping mechanisms, maybe a low sense of self-worth, et cetera, or maybe you have positive experiences, but you know, it, it gets to the point where maybe you become arrogant or conceited, or there's there's various ways that the ego can develop, and we'll we'll get definitely get into that. But what we want to discuss today is how one can develop a healthy ego that serves them and their higher self without it taking control and causing you to act in unconscious ways that hurt yourself and other people. So, Mike, let's pass it over to you. What are your introductory thoughts on the ego and how we can go about developing one that serves us and humanity at large. So the first thing I want to say is I'm not a psychologist. And even though I've read many books and have studied the and my own ego, um, you know, please research some of this stuff for yourself. I really just hope that what I say and what we discuss is more food for thought and leads you down, you know, a research rabbit hole that allows you to gain your own understanding of what the ego actually is. Uh, with that being said, the first thing I'm going to say is that, you know, without ego, uh, humanity would not have evolved to civilization. We need, we needed that ego to develop, to develop that sense of self so we could survive in the world in, in, in a certain way in, in social groups. Um, and so we need to be grateful for that ego in that sense. Um, and, but now that we are in a civilization where, you know, I mean, the ego still is important because you need it to, you know, defend yourself from other egos outside of the world because, you know, we're we're not living in a utopian society where everyone has their egos shed and everyone's skipping in meadows and taking mushrooms every day. That's, that's, that's far off, uh, if, if completely not realistic, but, um, we still need to have, uh, the ego to protect ourselves. Um, to have some sort of sense of identity, especially in you know this world of social media, especially if you want to become an entrepreneur, especially if you are trying to become an independent artist like myself. 
you absolutely have to have some sort of sense of self. Um, but on, on that same vein, we need to make sure that that sense of self is, is healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually in, in, a, in a certain way, in, in the sense that it, it leads us to grow as human beings and does not completely control us. You know, the ego is supposed to be a servant, not it, or what, what, what is it? I mean that, no, that, that was the subconscious. The subconscious is, is a good servant and a horrible master. Um, the ego should be mainly used as a tool that we use to navigate this world to, you know, kind of like make sense of this human experience to interact with others and to ultimately, you know, get us to our higher self. I, I, tr I truly believe that, um, you know, it's this idea of yin and yang. It's, and the same idea is, you know, consciousness cannot exist without unconsciousness in, in a certain way. You can't really fully um, appreciate what like, you know, full blown awareness looks like unless you've experienced some extreme ego. Like, you know, for me, that extreme ego was in people pleasing because, you know, I was, I mean, a lot of it is rooted in limiting beliefs, you know, thought patterns that, you know, weren't necessarily mine that I picked up through experiences and, you know, lack, uh, just a general lack of self-awareness growing up. But you know, I, I had a very strong ego, which then led to depression, which then led to um, an extreme sense of urgency of fixing myself. You know, it's like one of those things where you in order to really find the light, you have to go down deep into the darkness. And I, I think one of your quotes, Santi is uh, a tree can't grow up into the heavens unless it grows down to the roots of hell. I know I butchered that, but you know, I, I, I think anyone can kind of like understand where I'm going with that. Um, you, you have to experience an inflated, an inflated sense of ego, in my opinion, in order to fully benefit from and, and appreciate what it feels like to be an extremely aware, conscious being. Um, so I, I, I truly believe that, you know, it's, just like just like I said before, yin and yang. Um, if we didn't have an ego, it'd kind of be I, I don't know how it would be to not have an ego and to because you would just be aware. You wouldn't you you know, you you would just be a child. You you're not even um you're not even thinking that you're a human being. And you know, I, I feel like without that real without that sense of self, I mean, first of all, without the ego, um, we wouldn't have, you know, electronics, we wouldn't be able to get to space, you know, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe the earth was meant to perpetually be hit by asteroids and species go extinct, uh, persistently until the earth gets gobbled up by the sun in 2 billion years. Sure. Why not? But without the ego, we wouldn't get to the point where we might actually be able to venture out into space and, you know, and be adventurous and, you know, spread our species which, you know, maybe it, maybe that ultimately is a game that you know, doesn't really have any any sort of end because uh, I think I think Alan Watts says it. It's just like life cannot exist without death. It, it, it's that thing where where it's like you it's impossible to perceive light without darkness. It's it's impossible to, you know, see a star without the blackness of space. It's this idea that uh, the yin and the yang aren't separate things. They're contained in one whole. So it's like the ego and awareness. And they're not really opposites. They're just, they're, they're just contained in one whole. And it's really hard. I mean, obviously, it, this is kind of like an oversimplification. There's many more things going on in the human brain. You know, the ego is just your sense of self. But you still have other things going in your subconscious, like you know, thought patterns that you maybe not might not fully define as your sense of self or the ego, but it might be just like so deep rooted that it's literally just like what's completely wired into your brain that I mean, the ego is just an abstract concept at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, the, the point I'm just trying to get across is that, you know, we, we need to have an ego in order to fully, you know, um, experience what it's like to be fully aware. And, you know, ideally, we want to have an ego that serves us well. And, you know, this for, for, for many people is not what we have. We, a lot of people either have an ego that is based around arrogance and conceit, or it's based around, you know, people pleasing because, you know, certain traumatic events happen. So your brain got wired a certain way to, 
to almost like help you survive to prevent those things from happening in the future in 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 the way that it thought best. Um, so you know, the good news is our brain our brain is plastic. So therefore, we can condition ourselves to have an ego, to have subconscious thought patterns that serve us well in this society. Because you know, I've said it in my TikToks before. We are largely subconscious beings. Like at the end of the day, 95% of the thoughts that we think are not thoughts that we are consciously thinking. It is thoughts that are programmed into our brain that, you know, are just running in our subconscious that, you know, and then the thoughts are, you know, or the impulse is is felt. You can like almost feel it in the brain. And then that causes a, a cascade of feelings. And then, you know, once once you become aware that you're feeling a certain thing, then you can choose to just step back from it and just let it sit in your body. Um, but point being is, you know, the the ego does largely run our life. That that and that's just like the way our brain is wired. But the point is, is that if you can really use that five percent of your conscious awareness to or that that five percent of or you know, multiple people have said it, you know, ninety-five percent of uh, the thoughts you thought the previous day, that's what you're going to think the next day. It's just programs. That's all it is. But you really just, if we can focus on that 5%, that awareness of um, whenever the ego presents itself in our body in you know a negative way that we don't necessarily like, that you just sit with the discomfort and you just, you realize that it, you know there's nothing wrong with having an ego. There's nothing wrong with the way that you are right now. But if you want to, you know, improve as, as a person and why your brain in a certain way, you just use you just use awareness to understand that, OK, this ego is here. And, you know, what what thoughts do I want to think now? And from that space, it's it's a lot easier to program your ego into something that um, can can benefit you in this society while still not, you know, um, taking over your awareness and <laughs> leading you to be an unconscious sheep. But yeah, Santi, I'll pass it back over to you because I've been talking a while. What are some of the you know habits and routines, or you know thoughts and concepts that have helped you to cultivate a healthier ego? Yeah, and also an interesting thing that you pointed out is like people who, and I kind of brought this up in the beginning as well, is, is people who want to um, remove their ego or or kill their ego or escape from their ego would be the best way to describe it. The only people who are really thinking that ironically are people who are already on a spiritual path, a path of awakening, who have had some sort of ego dissolution or ego death experience. And now they want to cling to that state that they experienced. The people who have never had uh, either a mystical experience or an experience where they kind of lost their sense of self. This can happen from um, intense meditation. It can happen from near death experiences. It can happen with psychedelics. It can happen through a variety of different modalities, like, you know, um, intense, like long periods of fasting, vision quests, things of that nature, shamanic drumming, holotropic breath work, right? People who haven't experienced something like that, they, they're not even thinking, oh, how can I quiet down my ego? They might be thinking, how can I quiet down my thoughts? But they're not thinking of removing their sense of self. In fact, for most people, that would scare them. That's why most people are scared of death, right? Because death is the ultimate is the ultimate release from ego. It's the ultimate loss of your sense of self. Your your whole reality is now gone because you're dead, right? And so most people aren't even thinking about removing their ego. They're just thinking of, they're just so identified with it that they think that it's real and the ultimate truth. And they're so attached to it that they would never even want it to go away. Um, and so this idea of quieting down the ego, getting rid of it, this comes from typically from people who have had some sort of experience and now they're seeking to to not just re-experience it but have that be the ultimate state when it's important to understand that like i said you, you'll return you'll have ego death when you die like you'll return to oneness you'll return to you know non a non-dual state right when when you die so there's no point in trying to have that be your life now while you're a human because you'll return to their when life is over, you know? So at, while you are here on this earth, having a human experience, focus on actually accepting your ego, being aware of it, and then cultivating one that is healthy and that serves you. One of the, uh, you know, kind of touching on this a little bit more, like one of the the terms in Buddhism that they have for what, what we call ego death is actually this concept of anatta, which means no self, which you know, for people who have experienced these very deep states of meditation, I haven't experienced this on meditation, but 
you talk to Buddhist monks who have dedicated their lives to this, they'll get to a state where their sense of self basically drops out from their awareness. And so basically what, what you realize is that as we go through life, pretty much everyone has this idea that there's an I, a me located. Typically it feels like it's somewhere behind your two eyes in your head and that it's an enduring sense of self. It, it's this, this, there's this constant you going through life and this you is making all of these decisions. It's just kind of like the, you're, you're the CEO of your own life and it sits somewhere in your head, but behind your two eyes and that this you endures. And even though you change, there's this, there's this part of you that's the same. It's you, it's me, it's I, right? And what, you, what happens when you experience anatta or no self is that this sense of self falls away from your awareness and there is, and you realize that the ego ultimately is an illusion. It's not the ultimate truth. It's, it's a relative truth. It's relative in the sense that as we are here as humans, yes, there is an ego calling the shots. Like for us to get on this podcast and coordinate a time to talk together requires ego. Me getting out of bed and going to brush my teeth requires an ego. So it is real in the sense that subjectively you're experiencing it. But when it comes to the ultimate truth of, of consciousness and reality, the ego is just an illusion. There is no enduring you that, that that's the same throughout time. If you were to have a conversation right now, I'm 27. If I were to have a conversation with my three-year-old self, we're two completely different people. There's no me that's exactly the same. Yeah, my body has the same DNA, but this ego, this sense of me, I, that's in my head is nowhere near the same as the ego that was in that three-year-old. So th there's no consistent enduring I that actually exists. And you can experience this. One of the, the time that I've, and I've had through, through psychedelics, I've had various ego dissolution experiences over the years, many different ones, but the one that was the most was the, was the full ego death experience. And this is understood by people who are familiar with, with plant medicines was when I took Bufo alvarius, which comes from, which is the, like the, the name of the species for the Sonoran desert toad and this toad, not to get into too many details, but essentially it creates this venom that's, that's non-poisonous to humans, but it creates this venom that you're able to three months out of the year when they come up uh, during the winter months to copulate, you can get these toads, you can extract the venom and in that venom contains 5-MeO-DMT, which is different from NN-DMT or what most people would think of as, as your standard regular DMT. 5-MeO-DMT is a different substance, but it is widely considered to be the most potent psychedelic on the planet by many people. If not the most potent, the, the standard experience itself is the most intense and extreme. And it is, it is basically, it creates a full ego death experience where, you know, going into the, into the ceremony, there's this sense of me, Santiago, 27, male, living in Texas, I do this job, I, tr I have these hobbies, I'm into spirituality, et cetera, et cetera. You take this medicine, you smoke it, one hit, within seconds, all of that is gone. There is no me, there is no sense of myself and being a human being, there are no thoughts, there's no space, there's no time. Everything, there's no three-dimensional reality and, and a separation between me and everything else. There just was everything and nothing all at once. And for people to hear that, it's like, what do you mean no time? What do you mean no space? What do you mean you didn't have any thoughts? It's, it's, in, it's, in, it's what we call ineffable. It's, it's, you can't explain that experience in words. But when you have that experience, you realize like, oh, everything that I thought about reality and, and life, you know, it, it, sh it can shatter that view. And so if you end up having one of these ego death experiences, for a lot of people, it can actually be very, coming back to the real world can be very um, traumatic even in some cases. And in some cases, people have a hard time integrating and coming back to the real world because they just had an experience that was so profound and intense that they can't reconcile it with their everyday life. And so that's where this challenge comes. And, and some people, they want to get back to that state and other people, they don't know what to do with it. But what I can say is that in terms of, it, it's important to accept the fact that during this limited time on earth, we are humans with an ego. And like I mentioned, you will eventually go, go to a state where you no longer have that. And this, these type of experiences where you experience your ego dissolving can put you on a spiritual path. But it's important to understand that you know, the, the ego, we, while we want to have it, we also want to make sure that it doesn't start to run us in ways that become unhealthy or toxic. So a, a great example of this would be um, people who end up procuring a large amount of power and wealth in the world and in society. You think of like corrupt politicians, you think of, you know, extreme examples would be like Hitler, right? 
huge ego, but it, it didn't serve humanity. It did the opposite. His, he became so power hungry and so hateful that he tried to wipe out an entire, uh, you know, entire group and, and civilization of human beings and, and wanted all this power. And that's, that's an, that's an extreme example of how the ego can be, can be used in ways that are not good. You know, that can be, that can be developed in such a way that it becomes so strong and he became so identified with all of these beliefs that it caused all this destruction to happen in the world and more in more subtle, you know, circumstances, it, it could be, um, you know, for me in my life, like depression, right? Depression, a, a, a part of it, it's multifaceted, but a in relation to this episode, a part of what depression is, is this ego that's very tightly wound. They actually found in studies that oftentimes people with, with depression have a default mode network that is very, very very, very active and structured, okay? And, and the default mode network is what we, through the studies that have been done, realize a lot of the sense of, of self, your ego, a lot of that has to do with the default mode network. Some people think that it's located within there. I don't think the ego is located with any part of the brain, but we know that for sure that the default mode network and the activity in there has a huge impact on how your ego um, interacts with external uh, the external world and how it facilitates your own internal experience as well. And people with depression have a default mode network that's very tightly wound, right? So that's a very unscientific way to describe it. But what happens is that um, when you do something like, say, uh, psychedelics, for example, it actually turns off, it, it creates a default no mode network that's more scattered and that is less organized and that is it, it, that functions in a very different way. And so if you look at someone who has depression, the default mode network is too tightly wound, too too structured, too overactive. And then the people with, on the other end of the spectrum, people with schizophrenia, for example, have default mode networks that are functioning in the opposite way. And that's why people who um, have schizophrenia, it's recommended that they don't do psychedelics because their brain is already too, too much on that other side of the spectrum, right? So when you experience like ex uh, severe anxiety, severe depression, right? These are examples of an ego that's overly active and that has this sense of self that is so tightly wound and then it, it is in, in, in turn, in, in congruence with that, identifying with these negative thought patterns and beliefs. And so that is an example of where you want to restructure your ego in such a way that it's no longer identified with those beliefs. And there are a lot of ways that you can do that. And uh, the, the, the overarching type of modality that has worked for me is spiritual development. And spiritual development is incorporating various spiritual disciplines in such a way that you're able to rewire your brain, your physiology, and your and your energetic body as well, right? Like what would be called your luminous body in order to reprogram it to start feeling differently. And as, when you start feeling differently, you start thinking differently. And when you start thinking differently, you start to create a different reality. And so it is a process, right? There is no one easy answer that I can say, you know, follow these three rules and you'll you'll change your ego so that it serves you in a better way, so that you don't have depression and anxiety, so that you're no longer addicted to alcohol, right? Any kind of addiction, that's an example of an ego that is that is overactive and serving you and, and making you behave in ways that are unhealthy, right? But there's no one size fits all and there's no step-by-step -step rule book that I can give, but it's all the things that we really talk about, which is the meditation, the mindfulness, the breath work, the fasting, you know, abstinence, journaling, all of these things, cold showers, sauna. But you know, I think going back to the overall topic of this podcast, I think one of the big things you can do is have these experiences that help you to dissolve your ego to an extent, not so that you can stay there permanently and become attached to that, but so that way it, it creates an opportunity when you have these ego dissolution experiences to, to come back to it in a way that is structured in a healthier, you know, the, 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 the neurological wiring of it is different and, and now serves you to think more positively. And you have to be careful in terms of these experiences that you seek out because there are people who have traumatic experiences. There are people who, you know, maybe not may not be ready for that experience. But I think at some point in everyone's life, it can be beneficial to have an ego death experience, an experience of anatta or no self. That way they can they can understand, like you said, the contrast between light and dark. You know, in order to appreciate the egos that we have and the life that we're having, it's, it's it can be very beneficial to experience what it's like to not have that. Uh, so those are my ideas. I love those ideas. Um, and I like how you, you know, kind of went into the science of how, uh, you know, super depressed people have a super active default mode network, which obviously is one of the parts of the brain that 
is attenuated or, you know, almost shuts down when you're in a highly meditative state. Um, I mean, if, if you really want to check your ego, it, it literally, and if you want to kind of like, you know, turn down your default mode network meditation, there you go right there or psychedelics. And I, I don't know where I read this, um, but basically, and that's not a great way to start off a sentence, but I, I know that a lot of um, uh, people in, in the Eastern religions actually look at people who have, you know, schizophrenia as people who are gifted rather than, you know, someone who has an ailment, like the way that Western medicine kind of treats someone who's a schizophrenic. I mean, obviously having, you know, a, a, a default mode network that isn't functioning properly is, is not ideal for, you know, a, for this human experience. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, if schizophrenic people were treated that, you know, they actually do have a gift, then, you know, it, I don't know, man, they're, they're, they're it's just like one of those things where it's like the second we assign a label, uh, like a positive or a negative label to something, it, that's when people's thoughts start going in the direction that we don't want them to go down. Um, but the, the other thing I, I kind of wanted to say is that, you know, there's, there's a lot of definitions that, you know, are in regards to the ego. And I know there's there's one word called uh, egotistical, which is it kind of just means that you you evaluate yourself more favorably than is objectively warranted. So like th this can be thought of as being arrogance, but it's actually different from the word egoic, which just means like pertaining like to the ego. So Someone who um, is very depressed or views themselves very negatively um, are focused on themselves, but they're not egotistical because egotistical are egotistical people are think they're better than other people, and then and that's just like the definition of that word. Whereas egoic just means you're you kind of just more. It's just like focused on yourself. So egotistical and arrogant are synonymous. And then, you know, egoic is more just like selfish than anything else. I, I kind of just wanted to like do to define those two things because it kind of, I, I don't know. T to me, I hear the word egotistical like get thrown around all the time. Um, but yeah, if you're a people pleaser, you're not egotistical. You are egoic. Just, just want to throw that out there. And by the way, uh, you don't have to necessarily you know, take five MEO DMT or, you know, a heroic dose of mushrooms to experience no self. Um, when you're actually in flow state, you know, uh, when your awareness is completely focused on something that isn't yourself, you're technically in that state right there. When, when it's basically when time doesn't exist in order to experience time, you kind of need an ego, you know, because like your, your ego is constantly comparing things and like time is like, comparing one like the experience of time is just comparing one moment to the next right so if you're thinking about something in your future or you're thinking about something in your past and comparing that to the present moment that's basically what time is more or less if you're in flow state you don't experience time you're so focused that you literally where where, where did the time go you know i mean that, that happens to me all the time in music production it's an it's an amazing feeling where you know i i looked at the i looked at the clock and then it's two hours later it's it's a different time um, and that's usually where you're the most creative, you know, when, when your ego is not involved at all. And, you know, I've said this in many other podcasts um, about this, this stream of consciousness journaling where you, you just write, and this is what I do every morning, but you just write whatever the hell is on your mind. Um, and you, I, I, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, and, and I know I do this too. Oh, you know, I, I don't like what I write. Uh, like, I, what, what if my spouse sees this in, in 10 years when I have this in my closet and I'm talking about like some wet dream I had or, you know, something like that. Um, yeah, the, these thoughts are not conducive to your success when it comes to stream of consciousness journaling. The whole goal of it is to be creative without ego. Because that is where you're going to get the best ideas when you're in flow state, when you're free of ego. So if you're, if we're talking about like routines, I can help you kind of like uh, escape from that, not escape, but kind of like um, perform an activity free of ego. It's stream of consciousness journaling is just one of those things. You, you don't care about, you know, punctuation. You don't care about grammar. You don't care about spelling. You just go, you just write. And you don't judge yourself for it because obviously who who's what's the what's the entity that is judging you? It's your ego. It's not your it's not your awareness. Um, 
So yeah, if you're if you're ever engrossed in like a good a good book or having like a really good conversation with someone, you're most likely experiencing some form of ego death. Um, obviously, there there's probably certain times if you're having a conversation where you do need to access like parts of your ego. So it's not full like no self like like when your default net mode network completely shuts off. But when you're in flow state, it, it's it's kind of like a uh, a quasi, you know, ego death in a certain way. So if, if you're not, you know, fond of psychedelics or, you know, deep meditation states, you, if you, you know, train yourself to get really good at focusing on things, then that that's, that's a way that you can kind of like, um, not experience your ego in a certain way. Obviously you can't be aware of that when it's happening, it's kind of difficult because when you're in flow state, you're just in flow state. You can't, it's almost like you can't be aware of the fact that you're in flow state because you're so focused and aware of what's in front of you that you just are. So, so when you just are, it's hard to be, it's hard to be aware of that because there's just like a whole, like, you know, fractal pattern of, Oh, what if I'm aware of that? What if I'm aware of that? When you just are, you are, you can't be aware of that. You're already in the highest state of awareness. You're in the highest state of consciousness. And that in itself is free of ego. So yeah, I I just want to say that, um, you know, flow state is a way to um, not experience uh, your, your ego. Um, But you know, if, if you ever need to access memories, you know, technically, I mean, I, I don't think it's like you're using your ego to, to access memories I, I i'm i'm definitely what, what, what's it called I, i'm i'm butchering psychology right now for like l- very largely but th- the point is that um if you're in flow state or if you're doing like activities or you're having like a good conversation with someone even though even though you feel like very aware in the moment you still have to use your ego during certain times it's not really like no a, a full no self experience you know, like Santi said, I, w- I would highly suggest that you experience something like an ego death because it- it's going to be extremely uncomfortable. But it's in those experiences where you actually learn the most. It's 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 why, you know, because I, I do, you know, experiment with psychedelics quite a bit. And, you know, when- whenever I have something that, you know, like relates to a bad trip, which is literally just your ego presenting itself into your body. Like the- if you can ever think, if you're ever taking um, uh, psychedelics like that, if you can just think of when, whenever, whenever you're experiencing something uncomfortable, that it's literally just you facing your ego, you're literally facing yourself. Um, and if you can just be aware of when you're doing that, literally just focus on your breathing, just be like, I'm experiencing my ego right now. And like, that always leads me to, to peace. Some somehow just that mode of thought always helps me whenever I'm in that situation. And like, if you're ever in a negative state, then you can just say, Oh, this is just like my subconscious thought patterns. This this is just like who I thought I was presenting itself into my body. And, and, and having this type of thinking or this, you know, this, this, um, this understanding when, when you're becoming aware of it for me really helps. And, you know, identifying when these things are coming up because, you know, obviously I would, I would also just say, read more books, you know, read, um, read more about psychology, read more about philosophy. If you really want to understand the ego better. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I have to say about that. You brought up, uh, the flow state, which reminds me of the book, uh, stealing fire by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheeler, which is, I don't remember why it was titled "Stealing Fire." I can't, I can't remember. There was, I think, it had to do with Prometheus, uh, the, the the Greek story of Prometheus, and he stole fire from the gods and all this kind of stuff. I don't remember the whole story, but look up Prometheus and the, that whole myth of him stealing fire. But I did, But basically, this book has a lot to do with the primary focus of the book is how people can experience states of ex, what he calls ecstasis, which is very synchronistic and very similar and basically almost the same thing as achieving flow state, like these states of exhaustus where we're present to the moment, we're doing what we're love, we're not thinking, but we're, we're still, you know, very productive or achieving something at a high level. Um, but it's just kind of happening almost subconsciously and you're just in the flow, right? You're just doing what you're supposed to be doing, but you're, you're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about, you're not overthinking the situation. You're in this perfect state in the middle where 
you're acting and you're doing things, which obviously requires an ego, but you're not thinking of yourself while doing it. And he brings up a lot of different examples of how to achieve it. One of the examples is like the Navy SEALs, like um, SEAL Team 6, I believe it is what it's called. It's like the most elite Navy SEALs team that's like assigned to all these special ops type of assignments. And they have to execute these very high risk missions with, with very intense and strict protocols and circumstances involved. And they do specific types of training that they've tested over the years and and and, and they have it down to like a science where they're able to assemble the right group of people that synchronize with each other just perfectly. And it's almost like a group flow state where like, I'm sure like sports teams experience this too, where they're just in flow, you know, doing their thing as a team. It's almost like they're acting as a collective consciousness together in order to execute towards a certain mission. And that's an example of like flow state, exhaustus. You're having kind of like a mini ego death. Obviously you're not completely gone. Otherwise you won't be able to function, but it is in a way a form of ego death that can be beneficial. He also talks about high risk sports like deep sea divers who will who can go underwater and, and dive deep into the into the ocean for like several minutes, sometimes even longer. I think the record is like some ridiculous amount of time, like like 30 minutes or some insane. They've like trained their lungs to be able to hold their breaths underwater for a long time and it gets them to like this this state of like ecstasy. Or people who do like, you know, they do like extreme sports, right? Like just extreme sports that are highly risky. Um, he even brings up, obviously he brings up psychedelics, but he also brings up burning man and how a lot of what's happening now is that a lot of like high level execs from tech companies like Google will like go to burning man and basically just use that as a way for them to get into this state of exhaustus so that they can come up with more like creative, um, you know, ingenuity and all these creative ideas for like how to improve their business and how to like grow the company and things like that. Um, so there's these various ways that people have learned to experience these, these flow states that allow them to surrender their sense of self for a period of time while still being within the world in an effective way, which in, in a way is kind of the, the ideal form of like letting go of your ego. Because if you're just like sitting under, and I'm, I have nothing against people who dedicate their lives to, to meditation and all that, I actually think it's admirable and I admire that. But if you're just someone who's like spending all your time meditating or spending all of your time doing like plant medicines and psychedelics and destroying your ego, it's like, that's cool that yeah, you're having a spiritual experience, you're growing, but you're not really having your, 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 the trade-off is that you're not, if, if that's all you're doing and that's your main focus, you're not having an impact on the world, right? You're not having a positive impact. So these flow states that people achieve, it's kind of like a middle ground where like, you're kind of dissolving the ego a little bit, but you're still doing things. Hopefully, hopefully you're doing things that are um, actually, you know, of this world and, and impacting other people or the environment or whatever. And so, um, I think that that's really interesting. And then the other thing to note too, that I want to discuss too, is also, you know, as, as a man with a masculine core and a masculine essence, like my, my imperative is of the masculine. I definitely, we talk a lot on this podcast about the feminine and, and ways to get in touch with that. And I think that's super important. And I'm, it's always something that's going to be a part of my life, but at my core, I am masculine and I want to accomplish things and I want to get things done. And I feel the most at home and at peace and alive when I am doing things, when I am on, when I have a mission, when I have a purpose, when I'm trying to accomplish goals, when I'm trying to, to, to get somewhere in this world. And the, the difficult balance is that in order to do that, you need a strong ego. You need an ego that's, that's, you know, that's solid and that is healthy and that is, um, active, you know, and, and at times maybe even hyperactive, but the danger is that sometimes if that ego becomes too active and too, and, and, and too tightly wound, so to speak, it can result in negative emotions. It can result in you becoming unempathetic and insensitive to other people because you want to do what you got to do regardless of, you know, and people kind of start to be seen as like obstacles and, um, you maybe become too focused on like what you're trying to accomplish because it requires that amount of effort and focus. Um, but it kind of comes almost at the, if you're not careful, it can come at the expense of, you know, it can come at the expense of, of first of all, internally, other types of uh, emotional imbalances arising and also externally, maybe, uh, you know, hurting other people or offending other people. And, and so I'm, I'm curious about how you, if, if this is something that you've thought about and how you've navigated it. So the first thing I want to say, though, is um, I had I had a thought 
And, you know, I haven't really researched Burning Man. I don't really know much about it. But <laughs> I, I just, I, the, the name makes sense because, you know, if we're spiritual beings having a human experience and, you know, the human part of the experience can be thought as the ego. Burning Man literally means like burning ego. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know. I kind of like put two, two and two together. I, I don't know if. I mean, maybe the whoever created Burning Man had that in mind. Maybe they didn't. Maybe the, it's a complete coincidence. Yeah, the the kind of I don't remember the exact origins. I know that Burning Man technically started on um, what's that beach in San Francisco that used to be like a nude beach? Baker Beach. It started in Baker Beach in San Francisco back in like the mid '80s, and it was just a small group of people, and they created like this edifice of like a Burning Man. It was relatively small. It was like the size of like an actual normal normal human and then every year they just kind of started making it bigger and bigger and bigger now it's this giant structure and then eventually they moved it over to you know black rock uh, nevada i believe is what the name of the city and, and now there's like thousands of people that go over here it's this huge thing a lot of people think that it's it's been corrupted and co-opted by like all these instagram influencers and, and tech companies and it's not the same as it was back in like the 90s or whatever but the original um i believe the, uh, the premise of the original idea of the burning man was that the man represented like the societal structures that keep people kind of um, stuck, right? Like stuck in the rut. It's like, it's the machine, so to speak. It's like the system, right? The system that is keeping people oppressed and, and preventing people from like being free and expressing themselves freely. And so the idea is that, you know, we want to burn the man down so that way we can live in a society that is more free and that isn't tainted by corruption and the need for power and money. And that's why I think at Burning Man, there is no, there is nothing that you can buy there. You can only exchange things. So there's no like, I think the only thing that you can buy there is uh, like water and coffee, I believe. And I don't even know if you technically even buy that. Obviously, I've never been. It's it's, it's on my bucket list. I really want to go. But yeah, you're correct. It's essentially burning the man, burning the system, burning the ego that has created these systems that keep people kind of uh, oppressed, so to speak. Yeah, so I... <laughs> I thought that was uh, that, uh, a nice little thought that bubbled up to my consciousness. Um, but okay. And anyway, the, the, the last thing I'm going to say is I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to read a quote from Sigmund Freud actually. Um, and that is towards the outside at any rate, the ego seems to maintain clear and sharp lines of demarcation. There is only one state, admittedly an unusual state, but not one that can be stigmatized as pathological in which it does not do this. At the height of being in love, the boundary between ego and object threatens to melt away. Against all evidence of his senses, a man who is in love declares that I and you are one and is prepared to behave as if it were a fact. Um, so the first thing I want to say is that, you know, the state of love doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, between, you know, um, two people. It could be, you know, a man or a woman in love could literally just be in love with like, you know, their themselves or the universe or the, the f existence itself. You know, I, I, I actually uh, consistently find myself in this state where I'm just smiling and I'm, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm here. This is, this is sick. Like we're literally conscious beings that, that is absurd. And like, just, just kind of like really ruminating on that kind of puts me in a state of love at certain times. And, you know, when you're in a state of love, it's really hard for your ego to control you. You know, it's like one of those things where if you're, if you're in a really bad place in life, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say working at McDonald's means you're in a bad place, but you know, I'm going to use that as the example here. Sorry for anyone who I'm offending who's working at McDonald's. Um, but if, if you're, you know, kind of like not enjoying your life very much and, and you're working at McDonald's and then all of a sudden you meet the, the girl of your dreams, um, it doesn't seem so bad all of a sudden, right? And then you're literally like in heaven on earth. So love can quite literally destroy the ego in in a very quick, like 24 hours, you know? Um, and I believe uh, Bruce Lipton was the one who originally, uh, who I originally heard that from. Um, so, you know, just cultivating that state of love of, you know, the the universe itself and just realizing that, you know, we, we all come from the same underlying reality, everything that you see at the universe is just everything is just one. And, and you know, like you said, it's just like light and dark, yin and yang, um, you know, space and matter, every, every, everything, you know, has its, 
its counterpart and and that's and that's necessary um but you know love is just is just one of those things where it 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 is an amazing feeling to have you know love joy and gratitude obviously those are the 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 top feelings you know um i think everyone can agree that they want to experience at the end of the day so you know cultivating a feeling of love whether it's you know with with your partner of yourself obviously in a healthy way not an egotistical way um and you know just like also spending time in nature just realizing how beautiful everything is how perfect everything is how perfect you are and like you know e- even though you know your ego might um you know seem like it's controlling you or at, at times just, just like think about like how amazing it is that we actually are able to even have thoughts and you know obviously there's there's other species out there that you know exist and are somewhat intelligent but like no, there's no other species that lit, that has thought i mean you know there might be some chimpanzees who you know maybe have some impulses maybe but just all, all we can really do is be grateful that we, we are here and have the capacity to even be like having this conversation and even like be doing this podcast and be discussing these ideas because it's utterly absurd like how complex human beings are at the end of the day and it's when you start to learn about it and when you you spend more time in nature and you really start to improve yourself and you eat healthy and you put yourself into these you know uh, amazing states it's it's hard for your ego to control you so i guess the the last thing i'm going to say is you know um be in love with yourself be in love with your environment be be in love with your you know fellow human beings because everything is perfect exactly the way it is. And it literally cannot be any different because everything has already happened. And all we can do is move forward and, you know, continue to cultivate this feeling of love while, you know, still having that love for our ego. Because like like I said, without the ego, we would have not survived to get to this place where we can create at such, with such technical skill at the same time. So, you know, we're, you know, society is struggling with its ego right now, but Without it, we wouldn't have got to this place in the in, in the first place. And you know, if our ego is going to be ultimately our demise, that's the way things need to be. But you know, I, I truly believe that you know a mass spiritual awakening into a utopian society is not possible without the ego in the first place. So learn to love your ego, learn to love other people's ego, and learn to just love life and the fact that we exist. Well, yeah, the reason, I mean, society is struggling, at least in America right now, is because the ego is, again, over overdeveloped, overactive, where we have this division between left and right. And then you identify, like, I am Democrat, I am Republican, I am Libertarian. And that is your ego identifying with a certain belief system. And that anyone who doesn't have that same belief system is the enemy. They're separate from you. They're, 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 they're the other. They're what you have to argue with and battle and defeat. And that's an example also of how the ego can become again, um, very toxic and very unhealthy. And one of the things that you mentioned too was, uh, you know, this idea of being in love with life. Sometimes you find it through a partner, but you know, this idea that you can also just be in love with the universe in love with life, the uh, kind of the opposite of that, that we're seeing today, which is an epidemic is loneliness. And loneliness is also an example of an ego that is too tightly wound, too overactive and has identified itself. You are now if when you're experiencing loneliness, you are now identifying as being separate from everything else. You are separate from other people. You are separate from society, the environment. You're kind of just in isolation. A lot of people during the lockdowns and even to today, it's just they just continue this pattern of being like isolated and alone. And you can be alone and isolated and actually still feel connected to the universe and to God. And you can spend copious amounts of times alone, which I do, and not be lonely at all. And I'm not saying you, you should feel bad if you're feeling lonely. That's not the point. But what I'm saying is, is that when you experience loneliness, just know that that is your ego identifying with this emotion, this energy, this belief system that you are separate from everything else. And while that in that moment may be relatively true, like I said, the ego is a relatively true, but it is ultimately an illusion. The ultimate truth, the greater reality is that we are all connected. We are all one and that we are all the universe experiencing itself and that we are all one and all is one. The universe is in us and we are in the universe and it's all one and we are all connected. And that's again, why I say having either an ego death experience or more specifically a mystical experience. When you have a mystical experience, 
that is essentially to dumb it down it's, it's defined as experiencing what someone called the numinous what some would call a, a higher power something an energy and a source that is much greater than yourself and you're not just thinking about it and blindly believing it but you have an experience of it and once you have that experience that will stay with you for the rest of your life it may not it's not going to be as strong as when you have the experience down the road but you will remember it and it'll help you to feel connected and it'll help you to deepen your faith and that is why for me i'm able to go very very long periods of time being alone and feeling at peace is because i've had these experiences that sh have shown me this greater reality and this greater truth i'm not just repeating it from a book and saying oh we're all one we're all connected i have had the actual experience of that and so that's why you need to you need to be a seeker i talked about it last week you know you can't just read it from a book or hear it on a podcast you have to have the direct experience yourself you have to experience life yourself you have to listen to your own inner knowing you have to you have to be a seeker in life and seek out these experiences where you enter flow state where you enter states of ecstasis and it's going to be different for everyone i'm not again like when mike said i'm not saying everyone should go off and and smoke you know 5-meo dmt that's not the right move for everyone but you need to try different things push past your comfort zone you know experience discomfort do things that you maybe usually wouldn't think of doing and you need to do things differently if you're in a place right now where you are struggling and you're repeating the same thing over and over again don't expect different results you need to do something differently in order to try to, to get to the point where you're living a life where you experience inner peace where you experience gratitude where you experience positive emotions and where you're more connected with your mission and your vision for life and when you're when you're able to experience life and, and view it through a more positive light you need to do things differently and um that is pretty much all i had mike did you have any last thoughts that you wanted to share nope just be one with your ego you need it and without it we would not have gotten to the point where where we are extremely conscious beings and even have the capacity to experience you know spiritual awakenings and the love for the universe that it truly deserves definitely and last thing i'll say is and learn to enjoy the ride don't take it too seriously don't think that everything needs to happen this way you know everything needs to go according to plan i'm not doing enough i'm not this think about yourself don't think less of yourself but think about yourself less enjoy the ride understand that this is all ultimately a game and that at the end of this we're all going to return to the same place we're all walk like what ramdas said we are all walking each other home thank you so much for listening to this episode of the chasing presence podcast if you enjoyed it please spread the word by telling your family and friends and by sharing it on social media you can also show us your support by leaving a review also if you'd like to get in touch with us our contact information is in the show notes. Please send us a message as we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. As always, thanks again for listening. Stay present and have a great day.